and telling people Christmas is about so much more than the decorations, than the presents, than all the trappings. It's about the fact that God sent His Son for us. And so today we are going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Linus didn't quite get through all that, so I'll pick it up there after verse 14. But here's the thing. We're going to look, there's so much I could unpack from that passage. But I just want to look at the shepherds today. Because I think they have something to teach us about the response to God's precious gift to us in His Son. And so, think about it. This was Jesus' very first Christmas, I mean, well, Christmas party, birthday party even. And who was invited? That's the question I want you to answer. Who was invited? And that is a, a, a thing that much angst that a lot of grade school kids go through, right? If there's a birthday party, am I invited to Johnny's birthday party? Am I included? Am I part of his friend group? Right? And the, the deeper question, I think, is, am I welcome? Am I accepted? Am I invited? So, kids, listen to me, ages, whatever, to up to fifth grade, I am going to put a little Easter egg, or Christmas egg, in this here today. <laughs> And I'm going to say a phrase. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria in excelsis Deo. If you can tell me at the end of the service what that means, I have a Christmas prize for you. So be paying attention to what is happening here. But before we get into this, let me pray for us. Again, Father, thank you for sending your Son. And would you help us to see fully what you were expressing to us through the shepherds as you invited them. Lord Jesus, our Savior, our good news, it's in your name I pray these things. Amen. So who does God invite to his, you know, his child's first birthday party? It's the shepherds. And you're going, no duh, pastor, I know that. That's, that's not a surprise to me. But here's the thing. These shepherds who were in a field nearby, outside in, in, you know, near Bethlehem, maybe they're in Byron compared to us, right? They're out there. And this is near a place called Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the birthplace of King David. And it started to lose its prominence because Jerusalem, which is six miles next door, has become much more prominent because it has the temple. But God has made a promise to that historic King David, that archetypal, archetypical king of Israel, that God is going to place one of his descendants on his throne, and he's going to reign not just for a little while, but forever. So just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. God invites these shepherds. The thing about shepherds in the first century, we may look at Christmas cards and, you know, lovely uh, nativity scenes, 
But the truth of the matter is, they were a degraded class in the eyes of Jews in the first century. They were really considered as thieves, cheats, people that stole stuff. In fact, they made it a rule in the Talmud, which is kind of like a handbook to how to follow the law. If your daughter married a shepherd, she could divorce him. No questions asked. They were considered unclean. They were considered outcasts. And besides, they're isolated out in the field. They're just these rural people. They have no real connections. Why would this announcement come to them? Why not to somebody more important? Like the high priest, or a prominent rabbi, or someone who has some sort of earthly platform. Why these outcasts? Yet God in His mercy sends His angel to them to announce the birth of His Son to this ragtag group. The least likely, in our eyes perhaps, the least deserving. But here's the thing, in God's kingdom, He's wanting to move us from outcasts to the invited. From outcasts to the invited. And I don't think the irony was lost on them that they were being invited to this and and how they responded to this, this angel. The scripture says that they were terrified. Literally, they were, they feared with great fear. The King James says they were sore afraid. They were so afraid it hurt. They felt less than worthy in the presence of their holy visitor. Was he there to inflict judgment? Had their sin finally caught up with them? But you know what's refreshing about these shepherds? Is there's no pretense of having their act together. There's no pretense of self-righteousness. There's no pretense that they believe in their own goodness. (laughs) And the amazing thing is when they hear that their messenger is bringing them good news... They are so eager to receive what He has for them. They know that the Lord is going to have to be the one who meets them in what they lacked. You know, later on, Jesus would say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, you have to know your spiritual poverty before you're ready to receive the spiritual riches of what this newborn baby was going to bring. And he's showing us in this narrative that God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of position or influence or whatever else our world says is important. But he graciously comes to the undeserving. And here's what you need to hear today. Here's what I need to hear today. The undeserving is you. The undeserving is me. We are just like those shepherds. No matter what we think about ourselves, no matter what we think about somebody else, we're right there along with those despised shepherds. One of the ministries that we're involved with here, as I announced, we're going to go caroling at Minnesota Adult Teen Challenge. And I love hanging out with those clients. You know why? 
again, because there's no pretense in them. They're not telling us, I got my act together. In fact, they're very willing to admit their failure. They're very willing to admit their sin and their shortcomings. And they're very willing to admit their need for Jesus. I love that. I think we could stand a little bit more of that because, folks, while we're trying to follow Jesus, oftentimes we get good at being good. And then we start thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. We start comparing ourselves. How am I doing against that person? We start categorizing people in the worthy and unworthy categories. And this is to blow this away. You and I are in need just like these shepherds are. Are we keeping score? Thinking I deserve God's grace more than others. No, we don't. God comes to the undeserving. And he's graciously reaching out to us to reconcile us to himself in his son. All are welcome. All are invited. But it's only effective for those who know their need. At this Christmas time, maybe you feel a little left out. Maybe you even feel left out by God. Here's what I want you to know. Do you know that in His Son you are invited? You are treasured, you are loved, and there's nothing that you can do to make yourself more lovely, more lovable, more accepted, because He's done it all for you in His Son. That is the good news. And maybe for some of us, we need to be reminded by this, that we aren't more lovely, that we aren't more loved, because we've been good. And maybe this, this account reminds us that we're just along there with the shepherds and that God graciously comes to the undeserving. No one is beyond his reach. But again, it's only good news to those who know they need him. So as we've seen, as we'll see, this angel is not here to bring judgment. He's not here to bring condemnation, but he wants to move them from fearful to favored. From fearful to favored. Now pick it up at verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Fear not. Let go of the fear of what you think God is bringing into your life. and What you might be holding on to for security. Are you fearful that He's come to punish you? Are you fearful that he's here to rip you off? Are you fearful that he might let you down or make you miserable? Let that go. I don't know if you watched, but when Linus said, fear not, he was holding his security blanket, and all of a sudden he let it go. And it dropped to the ground. Just Google it. Look again. He drops his security blanket that he's holding on to because he's fearful. For behold. And some English translations don't put that in there, and I think it's a huge mistake. Not because I'm any Greek scholar, but because of this. The word behold means look. Check this out. Look into this. I bring you good news. 
this is really something that's going to benefit you. That's going to bless you. And it will be great joy. Not just impact your circumstances, but impact your heart, your spirit, your outlook on life. I'm going to bring you joy. And it will be for all the people. Not just for some. Not just for thus the deserving, whoever those are. But none are excluded, even outcasts. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that is Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I don't fully understand, I don't think we fully understand or grasp what this news must have meant to those shepherds. Yes, they were outcasts, but they were Jewish shepherds. And this is what the hope of the whole nation was wrapped up in. God is going to bring His Messiah, His Savior. For us, we kind of read this, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, the Messiah is born in, in Bethlehem, just like God predicted in Micah 5.2. If you want to check that out, that's, that's what that prediction is. Neato mosquito, right? But for them, it's like, what? God is bringing His Messiah? I mean, we've been waiting all these years. Longing. We've been under the oppression of Rome. We've not been our own nation. And God is going to deliver us. Make things right. The thing that He promised. That Son who would rule on David's throne forever. I mean, I don't think we can understand the gravity of what this meant to those shepherds. The whole nation had all of its hope set on the bringing of Messiah, the coming of Messiah, a release from oppression for centuries. And I'm just going to throw out, an, maybe, maybe, and maybe this falls short, an emotional equi- equivalent, right? God's going to end all war on the, on the whole earth, Each of us is going to win the lottery for $2 million. Um, You're going to cure cancer. And the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl. Then there was much rejoicing. (laughs) Falls short, doesn't it? But I'm just telling you, it's like this good news. That is, it's it's like, you got it, really? I mean, even though it's an angel, God is bringing what He promised. But remember, there's behold, there's a look. And so He fills it out. He says, Behold, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Okay, a baby. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. That, that's not so sp- spectacular, because that's usually how babies are found. That's kind of an everyday deal. But, okay, lying in the manger, that's, that's kind of different. That's kind of unique. That's, that's interesting news. And boom! And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Gloria in excelsis Deo. And on earth peace to men with whom his favor rests. 
in that moment, there is a divine encounter. God pulls back the curtain of heaven, and this heavenly host, this angel army, is just singing this glorious chorus. And it's the sweetest music ever heard. And he's basically saying, I'm here. I am here. I'm entering history right now. And here's what I'm bringing with my son. Peace. Because there's been strife between you and me. Your sins have separated you from me. And I'm here to bridge that gap. Peace. Between one another. Because we have offended one another. We've been unkind. We've been cruel. We've been selfish. And the only way we can be reconciled is because of what God has done. I'm here to bring peace between God and man. Between men and women who are made in God's image. That is the basis for forgiveness. That is the basis for reconciliation. It's what God has done. And Jesus would say in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacekeepers, the peacemakers, for they will be called sons, they will be called daughters of God. And peace and favor. Undeserved merit. Undeserved blessing and kindness and goodness. What God is bringing is what we call grace. Grace. That no matter what you and I have done, still God is for us. Still God is for us. When you know that God is for you in His Son, you can stop looking over your shoulder in fear. And you can look forward by faith in Him and how He's going to meet you with His favor. Looking forward. Are you doing that? Do you know that God is for you? I think these shepherds... Knew just by this whole encounter that God was giving them favor. God had let them in on a secret that no one else or very few had heard. How about you? How about me? Are we letting go of our fears? Are we willing to let go of our security blankets that we're holding on to? And know that God is for us in His Son, Jesus. I love what the Apostle Paul will say in his 8th chapter of Romans, verses 31 and 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His Son, but gave Him up for all of us, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? 
Do you know that God is for you? Do you know that God is for you? He sent His Son for you. To be born and go through all the uncomfortable problems of this life. He was not born in the Mayo Clinic. He was born in a barn. But He sent His Son for us. To live and to die and to rise for our sake. He is for you and me. To bring peace. And yes, as we go through this broken, this broken world, to receive His favor. His grace. That lasts not just today, but forever. For eternity. But again, the shepherds have been told this information, right? About this son. There's still something they need to behold. Something they need to check out. So in verse 15, the scripture says, When the angels went from them unto heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see. And behold, if you will, this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And this is where God is trying to move us from announcement, from information, to action. From announcement to action. And note how the shepherds respond. They don't sit around and deliberate and say, did you see that? Did did that really happen? Can you believe that? No, they didn't do that. They got up and hastily ran to Bethlehem. They didn't walk. They ran. Verse 16, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. These guys were running to obey, to check out what God had revealed to them. And they do a better job than their forefathers who had God speaking to them directly through the prophets to turn back, to repent, to put their faith in God. They responded better than a, than a priest earlier in the first chapter who's arguing with an angel about how his elderly wife is going to conceive when this is God who's talking to him. They realize it. And they take God at His Word, plain and simple. And yes, a manger is probably not where you're looking for a baby, let alone the promised Messiah. But if you haven't figured it out, God does not operate how men and women operate. God does not operate how you and I would do things. He does things differently, so that our faith will not be in ourselves, but will be in Him. Because sometimes he's calling us to do something so different it doesn't make sense to us. But we have to trust him. This is God who is at work. And so maybe you're single. And you'd like to be married someday. And you wonder, should I lower my standards? Should I open the door to being sexually active? when God calls me to honor Him with my body? Should I open the door to 
dating people who are not followers of Christ. Because I don't want that chance to pass me by. Can you trust God with that? That He's going to meet you in that process as you wait on Him. Or maybe your finances, your giving, and God calls you to honor Him with your wealth. To give to Him, to give to His kingdom. That's going to have eternal, eternal reward. Can you do that? Give by faith. And trusting that He will indeed meet you as He promised. Or do you look eyes of practicality and say, you know what? There's too much month and not enough paycheck. And uh, I just need to hold on to this. It may seem practical. It may seem wise. But you probably won't see God meet you in that situation. Maybe it hurt forgiveness. Maybe you've been hurt deeply and you're holding on to that pain. And yet God, because He has forgiven us, asks you to release that at least to Him. To not hold on to that in bitterness and anger. And say, God, I release this person. Maybe I can't necessarily trust them, but I release them to You and don't and I will even pray for them. I will pray for their blessing. Because Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'll release that to you. Or are you holding on to that? and Saying, I can't do that. They may get away with it. I'm going to tell you folks, God knows how to bring His justice. And it's much better than what we can bring. Can we release that? Or on the flip side of the coin, maybe you have sinned and hurt somebody deeply or done something and you're concealing it. You're hiding it. Because you're afraid of what might happen if you're discovered. And I'm not telling you that isn't a tough place to be. But will you trust God to bring that sin out into the light? To maybe ask forgiveness? Or to bring it out and say, I, I have sinned. I blew it. I, and I'm so sorry that I hurt you. Because we're afraid that we'll be shamed or that our, will just be, our life will be destroyed. And I'm not saying there won't be pain. But let the Psalms of Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 instruct you. That start out in Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven, whose trespasses are covered. Will you bring that out into the light? Will you trust God, with the truth of what He says in Proverbs 28, verse 13, that he or she who conceals a matter, they will not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces their sin will receive mercy. Is that an act of faith? Absolutely. But will you trust God with that? When God reveals something to you, are you willing to move forward towards it?
to move in action, not just in knowledge, but in action. And folks, let me just tell you, as I've been following Jesus, and I'm not making myself the poster boy, I've had plenty of, of failure. But I have found that when I pursue Him in obedience with what God has revealed to me, and sometimes it's scary, sometimes it's challenging, God does two things. He Number one, He grows my faith, and number two, He shows me how faithful He is to be faithful to Himself and His Word even in difficult and hard and challenging things. I'm sure that as these, you know, as these shepherds are going and seeking this out, knocking on doors in the middle of the night, they were rebuffed and they were re- rebuked. Do you understand what time it is? But they were there to respond in obedience to what God had showed them. That was their mission. They didn't care. They just know they were told to behold a baby who is their good news, who is their peacemaker, who is their favor extender. And last of all, when they discovered it, they discovered the baby, they get moved from good news to me to good news for everyone. Verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Are they crazy? But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in their heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as they had been told, had been told them. When they finally found the baby, they must have felt a sense of relief. They must have felt a sense of joy. Here he is. This is the one that the angels told us about. And it really reverberated in them. It was good news. It was such good news that they had to tell everybody whether they wanted to hear it or not. Whether they were accepted or not for it. They had to tell somebody. This isn't your first Christmas. But is it still good news to you? Is it still good news to you? Is the gospel still good news to you? Does it still make your heart leap that God extended himself to those who didn't deserve it? And that's you and me. Does that still bring wonder that God puts on flesh and lives this life and dwells among us. And what he's going to do, he's going to give up his life. I've said this before, but I'm a father. I'm not giving up my daughters for anybody. But God gives up his son for us. Is it still good news to you and to me? Because God revealed his good news. He revealed himself to us, partly to make us his own, but also so that we might make that good news known to others. That we might be his representatives and tell others, like these shepherds, whether that's accepted or not. And here's the thing. If 
this is really good news to you, then it will receive much more good news to the someone you're telling. If that is good news in your heart, I'm going to tell you you're going to be much more effective in telling people about the good news that you want them to know in His Son, Jesus. It has to be good news to you first. It has to be good news to you first. You see, God in sending His Son wants to move us from outsiders to the invited. From fearful of what He might do to knowing His favor. From moving from an announcement, just information, to action, to live it out. And good news, yes to me, to ultimately, to the world. And as Linus would say, and that's what Christmas is all about. Let me pray and have the worship team come up and close us. So Jesus, I thank you for this amazing account. Hmm. Heaven revealed itself to us in an angel army and ultimately in a son being born. God who put on flesh. And I still can't wrap my mind around all of it. But I thank you that you have reached out to us, the spiritually poor. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that needs to know that they can be a son, a daughter of the living God, would you open the eyes of their heart? Would you help them to know that Jesus, you have paid their penalty and want to make them your child? because of what you have done. You have paid the penalty for their sins. You are the one that can come in and change them. Would you give them the grace to receive the truth of a John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, help that person to receive that truth to be transformed because of Jesus coming to dwell within him, within her, through his Holy Spirit. And for the rest of us, Lord, this is not our first Christmas, but it is still good news. Would you help it to be a refreshing good news in our heart today that we may make that good news known to a world that desperately needs it. And Lord Jesus, our great Savior, our good news, our peacemaker, and the one who gives us God's favor. It's in your name I pray these things. Amen.